What the If is brought to you by listeners like you. Thanks to our Patreon members, patreon.com slash whattheif. Go there now and find out how you can become a member and get all kinds of cool rewards. And thank you for supporting our mission for science education and science fun. Welcome to What the If. Live long and prosper edition. Prosper, prosperity not guaranteed. But live long might be. That's just a tease of what, what our if will be today. As I wipe, uh, continue to wipe off the coffee that I spilled on my keyboard and my desk this morning. That's what kind of morning it's, it's been going. Gabby, how's your morning going? It's been a particularly Monday kind of Friday <laughs> that I'm having over here. So, so far, yeah, similar vein. I Not in the coffee way, but I, I dyed my hair recently. Really? So wow. there's a little bit of like hair dye that's like everywhere. And for context, I dye over top of my hair in like a funky color. So I don't uh -huh. bleach it, but I'll dye like over top of it like purple or something. So it changes the tint when I'm in the sun. And that means that every time I take a shower, there's like a little bit of purple just like draining into the the shower. So <laughs> it's been kind of a fun game to try not to turn every towel I own some variety of purple. Uh, but one of them looks like, like from what I was actually dyeing my hair and rinsing it out, it looks a little bit like I got murdered on it because <laughs> none of the blue in the purple hair dye decided to come out. No, only the red in the purple hair dye decided to come out originally. So it just is this big red splotch Whoa. right in the center of the towel where I had my head. <laughs> well, I think somebody needs to make a, a short horror film or something. Yeah, use that prop. <laughs> yeah, there's some sort of a oh. maybe like a what Pixar. The, the music. <laughs> See, anything could happen today. What you were saying, Pixar? Yeah, I could just imagine that as some sort of like Pixar animated thing. We're like, oh, because you know everybody's okay in the end. Like, right? It's right. not actually a exactly. Um, that would be a good Pixar thing. Um. Pixar has a new movie out called Elemental, I believe, which sounds like it has a little bit of a science thing happening. No idea. Yeah. I heard it flop, but that's the only thing I heard about it. Oh, really? Oh, I yeah. Surprised to hear that. Um, I like that. I'll see it anyway. I love those Pixar movies. They're so beautiful. But yeah, it has something, something, all I know about it is the title is Elemental, I believe, and it has to do with um, the maybe diff elements are the different characters fire, air, water. Hmm. That. Uh, um, well, we have, uh, uh, oh, first, just want to mention, uh, for those who are wondering, uh, that's, uh, Gabby Panicia from Rockefeller University joining us, a virologist and, uh, our historian of science, Matt Stanley is uh, on assignment today, meaning there is something happening somewhere in the history of science that he needed to like in Dr. Who fashion needed to go, uh, attend to to make sure he was there to record it and I assume try not to change it. That or he's, you know, he's out there ironing out all the wrinkles in time. Oh, oh, that's, <laughs> Whoa. that's really cool. Ironing out the wrinkles in time. It's a mundane job, but somebody's got to do it. Um, <laughs> you know, it's bad when you walk away and the iron just sits there and burns a hole in, in, Through in the time. fabric. Yeah. That's very good. Shout out to um, Ursula Le Guin. Is that correct? Was that her? 
I don't know. I read them. Um, oh boy, somebody, somebody else remind us. Write in. Here's an excuse. Madeline LaEngle. Yeah, is that right? Yes. I, well, I googled it. That was yes. not coming purely from my own mind. Right, and that book includes the Tesseract, which is like a four dimensional cube. I remember learning. About I just that. remember I read that book pretty young, and that yeah. was the first book that like broke my brain a little. Yeah. Like I was like, well, I'm just going to keep going through this, but I kind of didn't really have a full grasp on what was happening. Yeah, me either. Uh, I remember it is. Yeah, it's a book you read in s- school. Kids read it. Um, very cool. So, uh, did Oprah make a movie of that, or am I? I think she was in the movie. She's in the movie. Yeah. I don't think yeah. she herself made the movie, but I think she was cast as one of the characters in it. Right. Right. Big, big, big shout out and thank you. To our newest uh, patron, um, Tasha Love has joined us. Tasha has joined us at the uh, our, our the levels of membership, the tiers that you can join at, all have different names. And Tasha has joined us at the Turtles All the Way Down level. Um, and so welcome, Tasha. Thank you. And Tasha joins um, a lot of our other patrons, uh, Connie Botnelli. Dan Floyd, Brill Kopochak, Brokop, Bill, I'm so sorry, Bill Prokopchak, Noah, Risley, and as I butcher all their names, I apologize and I thank you all for joining us. Um, these are all some of our newest Patreon patrons. See, there's a confusing thing. It's called Patreon. Patreon is the name of the website. And then I mm-hmm. suppose the people who join are patrons. Yep. Um, so the patrons have joined. If you want to become a member of What the If, we call we have a better word for it. We call you a super ifer. So Tasha Love is our newest super ifer. Um, and uh, our Patreon members, our super ifers, uh, get bonus extended episodes um, that only members get to hear. Uh, we continue on after the end of the show. We continue exploring our topic a little bit further. And uh, Matt and Gabby fill us in with... Uh, Stories from uh, the real world, not something we often get to explore here in the fake world of the main show. So thank you, Tasha, and thank you to everyone. Um, Speaking of uh, super ifers, Dan Floyd, uh, one of our newest members as well, uh, has has uh, an if for us. And by the way, you don't need to be a member to submit uh, an an idea for a show to us. You can uh, go to our website, whattheif.com, where you can find all our episodes. You can learn about us if that's something you're dying to do. Uh, and you can just uh, shoot us a message there right from the web- website, whattheif.com. And Dan has um, sent in an idea for an if. And um, before, we, before I introduce that, Gabby, can you help us understand uh, what is an if? As they say, uh, explain it to me like I'm five. Okay, now I got to shift to using my small words. <laughs> okay, I was a very I, bright five-year-old, so maybe you okay, know, I'll, I'll ramp a little it back bit. up. Yeah. I uh, so every week, what we do is we pick one thing to change about the universe. That is our if, and we sort of run with a what-if scenario as far as we can possibly go. So the if can start small. What if gravity were just slightly lighter? Um, 
and or the if can be completely gigantic what if life never formed on earth well we certainly wouldn't be doing this podcast <laughs> um <laughs> or we'd be doing it from somewhere else in the galaxy who knows yeah uh, and so we like i said we follow those out as far as we can to it's like you know logically most insane conclusions and usually destroy the universe by the end of it uh, but hopefully in the pursuit of all of this science fiction some real science falls out yeah indeed indeed and uh so get your you know get your um Get your sieve out. Get ready to catch some of that real science as it comes falling out the nuggets. Um, and Dan, Dan wrote in, so I'm going to read Dan's letter. And then uh, get your um, protective gear, your hazmat um, gear ready, because uh, after I read this, we'll then uh, be announcing the if. And when, when we do that, we have to be ready. So we announce it with great fanfare. So that's coming. Dan writes, um, topic suggestion. Uh, what if we lived forever? So Dan is thinking big. I wonder if it was Dan's birthday or something that caused him to think this. Mm. Um, he writes, uh, another if that came to mind today. What if, because Dan has sent us uh, ideas before. We've used Dan's ideas before. Dan says, what if humans lived forever? Or perhaps just a very long time. Maybe thousands of years. Not immortality, but what if there was no such thing as death by natural causes? While there's plenty of fiction that considers living forever a bad thing, <laughs> funny, uh, there are also people out there who focus on the benefits of living longer in good health. I'd love to hear you guys explore this possibility. Well, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. And so now, um, uh, Gabby, if you can just alert everyone uh, to put on their their gear, including their pepper, and tell us what why do we need to uh, protect ourselves at this moment? Why why are we sounding an alarm? <laughs> well, we're about to fundamentally uh, change our reality for the remainder of this podcast, uh, so <laughs> it's it's sort of best for you to come prepared. <laughs> That's good. That's good. All right, gear on, goggles down, and we ask, what the if? Humans lived forever. While, I love how Dan says, while there's plenty of fiction that considers living forever a bad thing. <laughs> what has Dan been reading? Dan's been reading more uh, stories like The Monkey's Paw or, you know, The Wish. I feel like that's pretty common. Yeah. Like, or at least like maybe I, I consume enough media that has this kind of trope. But like, just thinking like I watch like what we do in the shadows, which is like a vampire TV show, uh -huh. and all of the vampires are like super bored because they've been around for hundreds of years and like nothing's new to them. <laughs> That's oh okay, I see. So I imagine um, True Blood has things like that in it too. Um, I don't know that one. I've never seen. Yeah, True True Blood was pretty wild. What happened to True Blood? Finished. Isn't that like one of those sort of like drama series that just like goes on forever? Yeah, I thought so. It seems like it, it must have ended because I stopped hearing about it. But uh, who knows? Maybe it's still going like a vampire. There are some shows that are like <laughs> vampires. Like, How is that show still on? Um, in a good way, I would say The Simpsons. The Simpsons is one of those. It's like it's still going. They're still cranking but the out The Simpsons new at least like remains like good. Oh, it's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, it's not a bad thing that The Simpsons lives forever. It's just stunning that they keep going. 
Um, so Dan asked, what if, what if humans could live forever? And it's interesting. So his one qualification was that he doesn't mean that there's no way to kill you. You know, uh, it, it's, it's, you're not like Superman, although even Superman had a way he could be killed. But uh, um, for all intents and purposes, I guess. So what, actually, it's interesting, actually. What, uh, as a biologist, you might have some insight on this. What, what is he segregating out? Uh, yeah, so what this means is that you're immortal, but you're not invulnerable. You can uh, still be damaged by things. If you stand in front of a steamroller, it will flatten you, yeah. but you're not going to die of old age. So you can keep having your birthday after birthday after birthday, just so long as you don't step in front of a moving train. Right, right, right. Um, and uh, it's interesting, because I've, I've often thought about this. Uh, in this kind of scenario... I feel like people would become much more cautious in a strange way. Does that seem to make sense? Like if you knew you could, you could potentially, as long as you didn't get hit by a street steamroller, you could you could live some maybe an infinitely long time. Although we, we'll get back to this, actually, the universe will die, so that'll be interesting. You might live to the end of the the heat death mm. of the universe or something. But um, um, uh. Would you be a lot more cautious? I can imagine so. Yeah. I mean, like, I've heard people say stuff like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to die anyway. So, like, what's, right. you know, what's stopping me from doing this? Well, if you're kind of not really going to die one day, maybe, maybe you'd be more careful. Or maybe then eventually there reaches some point where the scales tip back the other way. Then you've been around for a couple thousand years. There's nothing that quite gives yeah. you the rush. More like, you know, playing matador to an ongoing train. So maybe, maybe it doubles back around a little bit. Yeah, yeah. There's a, a great Arthur C. Clarke novel. I think it might have been his first, actually, called um, "The City and the Stars." It has another title as well. But um, essentially, people live in this city, and they essentially can live forever. But um, any time they want, they can go back into hibernation. And uh, hmm. then just skip forward, you know, thousands of years or whatever, and pop out. So maybe, maybe it's sort of like if you get bored with the pace, the, the pace of life wouldn't change necessarily. In fact, it might even be slower. If people can live forever, it's another thing that might happen. People, people might become lazier or just work much more slowly. <laughs> like there's no rush to do anything. Um, but anyway, but but this allows you to get like a real boost. It's sort of like, oh, let me. I just need to freshen it up. I need to jump forward a thousand years, shake everything up, make everything new again. You know. Um, so here's a question, uh, as we say, the science falls out, what, what needs to be done to allow this to happen? What, what biological, um, discovery or technique do we need to come up with to allow this to stop, uh, I guess, aging, right? Well, I should first probably just generally talk about aging because nobody yeah. really has a good idea yet of exactly why we age. Uh -huh. So there's sort of two prevailing theories, as my understanding goes, that there's one, the thought that like, you know, longevity is to some degree programmed, that, you know, where there's no there's been no selection on us for, for life for longevity. Um mm. we're not programmed to live particularly long. So therefore, you know, it's something in our DNA, something in the way 
that our life cycle is supposed to work, be it at like our hormones timing out our lifespans um, or just our immune system winding down because it has some sort of program decay that might be what make us, makes us age. And then the other one is sort of just this like wear and tear idea that because you've been around and living for so long and, you know, that, that all causes a sort of damage on your cells, even just, you know, inhaling oxygen. I think oxygen's kind of a funny one. You, we all, because we are aerobic respirators, we're like, yeah, it's oxygen. It's great. It's good for you. Um, but oxygen in the atmosphere caused like one of the first great mass extinctions because oxidization is not a great thing. Think about rust on uh, an iron pipe or uh, if you cut an apple in half and then leave it and it's just going to turn brown or like an avocado, that's oxidization. Uh Um, So essentially that's kind of happening in our bodies and there's a lot of mechanisms in place to try to combat this, but eventually one of the body's mechanisms is to just kind of stop replacing stuff because it's like, well... We can't really grow a new one of these, but also we probably shouldn't because the thing that we use to build the new ones of these has been pretty rusted out. So it, things just kind of stop getting replaced eventually. And that's one thought about why we age. Interesting. Actually, an interesting thing you said there right at the beginning too, uh, that I think what you, when you were referring to evolution, that we have, that um, natural selection has not the, seemed to our lifespan does not seem to be uh, something that uh, natural selection is uh, focused on in some way. Yes. In fact, it might so be the opposite, right? It's sort of, it's better for evolution for us to continue to wear out and let new mutants well, come forward. Nothing's ever better for evolution because evolution is uh-huh. a, a process that it's, it's just sort of a thing that happens like the weather. Right. Um, but if you think about it, right, everybody has kids, not everybody, but, you know, most people have kids around somewhere in their 20s to 30s. So after that, from an evolutionary standpoint, there's, there's, there's nothing else really. Like yeah. <laughs> it's, it's taking place on like the parent child, like generational scale. Right. So while it might be advantageous later to realize that, you know, your, your family group is capable of living long, there's only some ways in which that might actually affect your fitness Again, human society is not particularly prone to natural selection, but to give you some sort of an idea, if we're like going back into like more of our ancestral primate time on the savannas where we might get eaten by lions, um, if you're having your kids, well, this was a while ago, so, you know, in your late teens to early 20s, um, and then you continue living until your 40s and 50s, having an extra person who can maybe help defend you, help rear children, that might increase the overall fitness of your group. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I feel like living to 120 is not really something that's factored into that equation currently. Right. And you might say that uh, living longer um, is a... a- is a drain on the ecosystem. It could be, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Depending on what kind of creature you are. Um, So, like, one of the things that's spoiled into the wear and tear theory, at least one facet of it, is has to do with, like, the the rate of living. So if an organism has, like, a really fast metabolism, it generally has a shorter lifespan. 
So think uh -huh. about like a mouse, if you've ever held like a small rodenty creature, like their heart rate is insane. Uh -huh. And they also don't live particularly long. Uh, but something like a turtle, which has like a pretty slow metabolism and is just kind of lumbering around, they live so long. So some of the thought is like, you know, maybe that's sort of, you know, how fast these creatures live and grow up is sort of baked into something in, to do with their metabolism. So I think yeah. we have pretty pretty moderate, you know, metabolisms. We're definitely bigger animals, so we do have longer lifespans. That's another one. Bigger animals tend to have longer lifespans. Right. Um, but I couldn't say that's like 100%. Like if we, if we somehow were able to quiet our metabolisms, would we live 300% longer? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that brings up a good question too. So in Dan's scenario here, people are living longer. Um, what does that mean about your... Um, uh, your metabolism, in other words, or what I could imagine, for instance, you still, a bizarre scenario would be that you still age at the normal rate we do now, and that once you get into your 80s, 90s, 100, you're still going, but you're really slow and frail, and you might then be that way for for immortality. Oh, you're just God. stuck at that, <laughs> that level. I, I'm imagining, like, did, well, I think it was the second Pirates of the Caribbean, where they just become part of the ship. Well... Like, they just become, like, the coral, like, you know, you get so old, you're basically, like, fused to a wheelchair and, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, shrunken. Or it's like, no, the 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 chocolate worm guy in Spongebob, that's such a niche reference. I hope people in the audience know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it? But it's literally from this episode where Spongebob and Patrick are running around selling chocolate bars. And there's this, like, fish that they talk to. It's like, do you want to buy some chocolate? And she's like, Ma, do you want to buy some chocolate? And this like old lady voice comes like, I remember when they first invented chocolate. And they push out this like, it's clearly supposed to be so old. It's like this like shriveled little like worm <laughs> creature in a in a wheelchair. And I'm imagining something like that maybe. Yeah. Um, but to imagine the horror from a slightly different angle. <laughs> So one of the reasons why, one of the theories of why we age that's underneath this sort of wear and tear theory comes with the fact, comes with sort of a quirk of our DNA. Mm. So there is something in our, on our chromosomes, chromosomes are sort of the unit of DNA. We're not just one unending spool of DNA, it's sort of broken into discrete chunks to be slightly more manageable. And at the ends of these are something called telomeres. Mm -hmm. Telomeres are still DNA. It's like a DNA protein complex where it has like certain repeats that sort of recognize that, you know, this is a telomere and recruits all of these other proteins to sort of bind it and protect it. And it's like a cap. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that it's a cap because of a quirk of the way that DNA replicates. So every time you replicate your DNA, you actually lose a bit more and more of this cap over time. Mm -hmm. And so when people are sort of first exploring the idea of like, oh, well, what if, you know, you want people to live to forever, just extend the telomeres. There is an enzyme that does this called telomerase. Um, but you sort of then run into the reason why that telomeres exist and also why they shorten. So it's sort of a timer on how long you can trust that cell. Oh. Cells accumulate mutations and any mutation that an original cell has will sort of be passed on to its offspring when it just clonally replicates itself. And because there's some error rate of DNA, even though we have proofreading enzymes, the errors continue to increase. Wow. So over the lifetime, the generational lifetime of a cell, 
you can go from, you know, one original cell and then look at its like great, 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 great grand cell. And that one will have more mutations than the original. Mm -hmm. It'll look mm -hmm. kind of different. And some of those mutations can fundamentally alter the way that that cell works. That's sort of baked into the theory of, of cancer and how cancer arises. Hmm. So you kind of want that molecular timer because it's a good way of being like, we don't trust the cell anymore. We shouldn't let it replicate anymore. And then it'll enter a state called senescence where it, it won't grow anymore. Because if you kind of take the brakes off of that, that's sort of one of the ways that cancer begins is that you have cells who have accumulated a lot of mutations um, and then I think there's other things that go into, I think there's other things that happen when a cell loses its telomeres and starts becoming cancerous. I think that's when you get a lot of chromosome fusion where it'll slap together bits of other pieces of DNA wow. and you get the potential for like completely rearranged genes that are fusions of each other, wow. some of which like help a cancer cell grow. Cancer cells are really gnarly environments, <laughs> but basically if you, if that's one of the ways that this process removes the breaks without factoring in any of the other ways that I think some organisms do this that we're studying. Um, if it's just, let's just crank on telomerase, then you're going to have people living long, but kind of just becoming cancer, Yeah, which is not great. Wow. And, and I'm, I'm just trying to picture the telomeres. So are they, when you say they're at the, the caps, is it, you mean like at either end of a long strand of DNA? Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. Both ends of a long strand of DNA, basically. So when you see in DNA, you see the sort of two strands uh, in a helix around each other at the very ends of those strands, like the ends of a shoelace. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Very much like the ends of a shoelace. Yeah, except yeah. it's, you know, the ends of like a really, really, really long shoelace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. And then much like taking the end caps off a shoelace, if you just cut those off, the, right. the lace starts fraying. Yeah. Right. It's a great right, analogy. Right. Oh, interesting. Um, now, Dan did say, uh, we, we can pull back from uh, this ever more horrifying scenario of getting old. Nobody wants that. Um, just perpetually getting old. Uh, he said, uh, you know, um, there was plenty of fiction that considers living forever a bad thing. And now we see why, because we're easily seduced down that narrative path. Uh, you know, he had said there are, there are also people out there who focus on the benefits of living longer in good health. In good health, is what he's saying. So, That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. So living longer in good health. So what, uh, what he, here's one of my favorite things to do is, uh, let's imagine we live in this world now where people live um, indefinitely, and um, you wake up in the morning, and uh, you're in this, you know, in this world. Uh, what's something you might notice that shows this is a different the world is different than, than our world. Yeah, so I assume one thing that's sort of in this is that if you're living longer in, in good health and you can only die of natural causes, but we're sort of ruling out cancer because that would probably be the way that most people would go of natural causes, even if mm. they were still able to technically live forever, um, is that I'm imagining then that people aren't really aging past a certain point. We can maybe pick mm. where that arbitrary line is, um, but right, right. I feel like people aren't go. We're n people aren't going to be aging the same way then, yeah. because all of the aging stuff is sort of tied into things that would also naturally kill you. So therefore, if we're ruling that out, people must not be aging. Is right. my thought, 
And that's going to be like a weird city to walk out into if everybody sort of looks magically about the same age. Yeah, or younger, I suppose. Like, I suppose you're, you're, for some reason, as you grow, you reach some age that is the age of maturity in this world, and you just sort of stay at that age for some reason. It would be funny if, like, turtles, because you know how turtles keep getting bigger? Oh. That would be kind oh. of a funny thing if that was involved in this. I assume we're going to max out at normal human height. Uh, but it would be funny to be able to tell, like, oh, yeah, that guy's like 300 because he's eight feet tall. Well, you, you, it's funny. As a science fiction writer, I would say you, you do want something like that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? You do want some sort of in, way to indicate people's age. Yeah. And, and it also doesn't make sense that people would somehow freeze at some particular body type, you know, and then just not change, right? Well, it's like I don't think because this, like, we're not essentially aging, we don't need to, per se, freeze at certain Body mm-hmm. types, like, mm-hmm. there's a good, like, functional reason of why we sort of max out at one size. Mm-hmm. But do we necessarily need to now if we're the kind of organism that just, like, isn't going to die of any of our normal natural causes? Right. Hmm. Right. Um, the other thing that happens is, I suppose, um, can you uh, can you still procreate at no matter what age you're at? And honestly, uh, probably. Yeah. I mean, so some of that is baked, you know, some of not being able to do that is baked into aging and sort of the program of aging. But bringing it back to my guys, turtles, there's like a really great photo of uh, a tortoise that's like a couple hundred years old Mm. with one of its babies on its head. Uh. And it's like a fresh fresh baby that's like, you know, was just hatched and this little like coin-sized turtle on the back of this monstrous turtle. Uh, um, so maybe we're more like that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I could imagine that the first thing that might happen is you wake up and, um, you know, if you have a family in this world, you could have, I mean, if you, the other thing we're talking about here is sort of interesting is a, a more mathematical concept, which is infinity. <laughs> So mm-hmm. if essentially you can live an infinite uh, length of time, potentially, um, and if you are able to have children all throughout that time, or at least through, through a vast periods of time, your family could be enormous. I mean, you could have thousands of children. Uh, and the world, the, but that's another thing that happens, by the way, is I feel like a huge thing to address here is that the world would be... Um, much more populated than it is now. Essentially, oh, yeah. It's a huge population problem. But I wonder, so I, I have two sort of thoughts based on that. Is One, sometimes, like, you know, a lot of times the timing of having kids is based off of sort of the biological clock of when you right. can have kids. Right. So if people aren't aging anymore, does it, that's not really going to play a factor in. So I'm imagining now maybe the sort of pressures off. So even though Ah, people may have more kids, they're having them 60 to a hundred years apart. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Wow. So you are, so your brother is 60 years older than you or hundreds of years older than you. Yeah. Wow. Which would be wild. I mean, already like my dad is like 10 years, I think younger than his eldest sister. No, I think he's like 13 years younger than his eldest Mm -hmm. sister, which is already like a huge, yeah divide when you're a kid 
um, I can't imagine 60 to 100 years yeah. of division between you and a sibling. Yeah, that would be wild. Um, family trees in this world would be enormous. I mean, basically, you're, you're, any individual family almost becomes like a, its own society here, just in terms of the numbers, yeah. you know, uh, and mm-hmm. the breadth the breadth and the complexity of things. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. I wonder how having people who live longer, now essentially in infinitum, would have affected like all of human society. Because yeah. thinking about like a lot of early societies were kind of monarchies. So essentially then you never had transfers of power. Mm-hmm. It was always one person. And then also, too, you know, like, scientists die. That shouldn't be surprising. Um, but it's not a, not intrinsically a surprising statement, right? But, okay, but then you're not losing those minds anymore. Right. That, right. like, a big thing is that, you know, turnover. Like, people, when you meet somebody who's been in a field forever, the amount of knowledge they know is insane. Yeah. And, granted, they might not be up on techniques, but just purely as a, like, human repository of knowledge it's kind of insane how much they know. And then now you're not losing that. So what things would have advanced so much further because the people who are studying them just aren't going to die. Right. So, right. So society, here's just a few things just to keep track. We've established is that uh, society, the population of uh, the earth or beyond at this point um, is huge compared to what it is now. Um, And that, could have good or bad, you know, consequences. And um, the uh, intelligence of the race, of the race, of the human species, it, is it a human race or is it a human species? I can never keep both. track of it. It's both? I mean, but I think so. But okay. at the very least, like, <laughs> definitely species. Right. So the, the the intelligence of the species as a whole has grown because uh, the, percentage, or the percentage of living great minds is vast um which is that's really kind of fun to imagine even by itself um and uh uh you have incredibly complicated family relations (laughs) so um Mm -hmm. uh, and you mentioned a government it's interesting to imagine how this would affect governments and that kind of thing um i wonder if you would get we already have in history families who uh are at war with each other and who end up, you know, <laughs> essentially World War I was families, right? Or cousins battling each other. All the royalty of Europe were all related. Um, in this society, I could imagine it's possible if things do go a little bit awry, um, families w- would have the populations of nations, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I think one of the, the things based on like the whole like families would have the population of nations thing is, I, if I remember correctly, there's something where like everybody in the world is 13th cousins to each other. That, like oh, really? you go far enough back, we're we're all related, and it doesn't take that long when you think about it to to get to a common ancestor for a lot of people. Not necessarily like everybody on Earth, right? But you know, humans generally have pretty big families, and I think we underestimate the exponential growth of like grandparents oh, in uh-huh. a lineage. So yeah. like you know. You have four grandparents. You have 16 great-grandparents. 
Um, so, uh, you know, ever increasing from there. So imagine something like that, except you can feasibly meet all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of bonkers when you think about it too, because then it's like, all right, family trees are complicated, but I wonder everybody must, there must be more of a culture of drawing a line at like fourth cousins because you get to a family reunion and it turns out that great, great, great grandmother sister is their great, great, great grandmother. Yeah. 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 You have your family reunion in a stadium. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's so many people. Um, so, um, what else? What, what, uh, what health benefits or problems might this society create? Hmm. So I have a couple of thoughts based on this, which is, so we're no longer aging past a certain age. This then kind of rules out the need for most geriatric medicine. Oh, interesting. But I wonder if other things will still advance, other aging-related diseases still advance. So, for mm -hmm. example, things like dementia, Alzheimer's, uh, Huntington's disease probably would still advance. That's mm. not necessarily age-related, but it is genetic. Right. Um, so you essentially have people who would be living with the ramifications of certain genetic diseases mm. much longer than our current society has established. So I wonder if that would sort of bump up the priority of curing certain things. So think about it, right? Like now we don't need as much money going to any other things about like aging. Like maybe we don't need hip replacements as often because you only need that if you actually break it. Uh, Cause we're otherwise we're not really aging, but now you need to focus a lot more on diseases that will permanently affect somebody's quality of life. But again, conversely, maybe some of these things are less common because people, so for example, with something like Huntington's, it winds up, Huntington's is a neurodegenerative disorder. It winds up affecting people usually in their like 40s or 50s. In some cases, it can start affecting people sooner. But it's one of those diseases that's dominant negative. So you only need one copy to pass it on. And people, or maybe it's just, I think it's just dominant. Um, what does that mean, dominant? It's a genetic term for Think about like brown eye color. They say brown eye color is dominant to blue. Uh -huh. There are things that are dominant negative mutations where essentially that like, what that means is having even one copy of the recessive one will still mess with whatever dominant gene you have. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's dominant negative. I think it's just dominant. That's a brief aside. Um, I will have to double check this. It's been a while since I've done reading on Huntington's. Um, but essentially because it affects people later in life, it usually affects them after they've already had kids. So most people don't know that they've passed that gene on to their children until uh, they themselves start showing symptoms. And it can take a while to really have known because, you know, because of that staggered, you know, appearance of it, sometimes, you know, their children have also had children. So then there's three generations of people who are going to probably develop Huntington's and they don't know it. So now if you imagine in this society, we have people who are waiting to have kids maybe then there's sort of a, maybe people are catching it better because they're not having kids so early in their, in their life cycle. Or, you know, it's something that we're also focusing maybe more money on trying to solve because then the people who have this neurodegenerative disorder, like, you know, it's cutting short a million year lifespan. Of course we want to 
to knock that disease out. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's interesting. Um, uh, it's funny. I keep coming back to. I'm still curious about this notion of whether people would be more cautious or not, because I imagine imagine a society where they are much more cautious, or m- much more focused on like. The, now that this society somehow has solved the problems of disease and natural aging, right? That's all done. So then they still have this, you can still die in an accident. And um, I would imagine that now becomes much more of a focus. Um, I think, you know, for instance, one of our problems with, you know, why is it that we don't, you know, thousands, untold thousands of people die in car accidents every year, right? And we just sort of, Accept it to some degree. Certainly, the safety of cars gets better and better. But we've not done anything like say, no, absolutely, we got. For instance, in in airlines, it's fascinating to me that you know the safety of airlines has gotten so good, mm-hmm. especially in in most countries. Um, there are there have not been a, there's not been a crash in years. You know, certainly of a major airliner. When I was growing up, it was much more common to, that you know big airliners would crash. Um, and that's because they've, you know, any any accident in the airline industry is a huge problem. Not only is it just a bad thing in and of itself, obviously, but it's it's bad for business. Um, so they've focused on it incredibly. Whereas cars, we haven't quite done that for what for all the different reasons. But I can imagine in a society where now things like accidents are the only way you're going to die, society becomes much more focused on safety. Um, so it could be that, for instance, if this if this society had not yet really solved the self-driving car problem. Um, not just the self-driving car, but the car that is aware of all situations and will do nothing to hurt anybody, um, that they might really solve that. And I can imagine a whole society where, like, wh- what do you think, wh- what would it look like where you're walking around a city and everything has been designed to prevent accidents at all costs? I'd imagine consolidation of transportation. So mm-hmm. not that you know, there's cars zipping around everywhere and then they're just really good at sensing people, but you probably have more and better public transit. Yeah. Which yeah. if if there's more people on the planet anyway, I could imagine human society is going to be a lot denser to begin with. Right. Um, it might also be sections where there's travel might also be separated from sections where there's not travel. Uh, so, for uh-huh. example, like, you know, all of your super highways are elevated off the ground so that people can't physically walk on there. And then, you know, little off ramps, let your hover cars down on the streets, they can carefully drop off somebody and then, yeah. you know, go back up. So I'd imagine there's there's going to be more of those like life safety rails in play. But personally, I was just thinking of like recreation is a weird one. Like uh-huh. I, yeah. I do a martial art. Like, we do a lot to make sure we don't hurt each other, but just right. intrinsically in practicing these things, like, all of us are always like, oh, God, my knees aren't what they used to be, my show. Like, everybody's got something that doesn't work the way it's supposed to anymore because, like, you know, we've all been doing sports for a while. Like, everybody has a sports injury. And I'm thinking, like, you've got that sports injury, like, forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I feel like sports medicine that might be a lot better and then some sports are just not going to exist. Like, there's no way right. a society that's uber worried about co- like caution and safety is going to still let American football exist. Right. right. There's no way. Although it might be fun to watch American football, where like all of the guys are in like bouncy castle kind of padding. Yeah. Um, 
like full all body bouncy castle patty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But who knows? I don't that that's sort of my thought is is that I, I can't imagine a sport like that is gonna still exist. I could imagine a, a self-imposed nanny state, essentially. <laughs> you know, everything is cautious, right? And there's just like there's like safety patrol people everywhere. Like nobody can go out in the street until the the safety patrol who's got a little sign that says stop, you know, stops all the traffic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now everybody move. I have a an interesting other thought that's like conversely, do you think then that people would be less good at medicine or like fewer people would have like first aid training? Oh. Because if there's never any crises and for the most part, you in this altered state of immortality, you're not acknowledging that you can die. <laughs> there's no memento mori. Um, are you going to be prepped for that? Like, I know a lot of people who just have first aid experience or training just in case, because, you know, we live in New York City. Somebody could be hurt. Somebody could be dying. Mm -hmm. And people want to be able to intervene successfully before, you know, paramedics get there. And if you're in a world that's, like, super bubble-wrapped and there's almost never anything... Super bubble-wrapped. How much of that is going to come in? Like, how many people would feel incentivized to then get trained? Because they go, well, it never happens, so we never need to prepare for it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it would depend on, is our immortality based on our bodies are just much more hardy? Or is it that science has gotten so good? So you would still need, in other words, you, you, might, you, might, you could imagine it going the other way, which is that any little injury you do to, do to yourself, suddenly you instantly apply first aid to it. And that, that might be one reason why people can live so long, is that mm. the society's gotten so good at it. The back to tank. Uh, the, the back to tank. <laughs> <laughs> so wrapping up now, you mentioned a, a really good thing, which you mentioned a memento mori. And uh, I know there are these, do you know about the memento mori calendars? Not the calendars, but... I just like know these, about like the other, like the old, you know, carrying around a locket of like, you know, somebody's hair or like a, a skeleton thing. It's like, remember, you will die. Remember, you will die. Right. So there are these calendars yeah. you can get. There's just the motivational calendars that essentially <laughs> list, it lists how many days uh, left you have in your life. Oh, estimated, great. Estimated that you live to some or till you're a particular age, whatever. And it's just, you know, instead of like, oh, here's. 365 days, the next 365 days, one year's worth, it's, you know, just a big whatever. And um, these little check boxes so you can sort of see your, and it's, it's supposed to motivate you because you can see the whole, your whole life. Um, but uh, do you, what happens here as our final wrapping up, uh, without that motivation, without this motivation of, uh, that we have, um, because the clock is ticking, as we say, um, do you think does everyone slow down? Like in my, in some ways, I imagine the world winding up like uh, like the people in the movie Wall-E, who are just living mm -hmm. on a spaceship, you know, just sitting in lazy boy chairs, uh, and they're super fat and just sipping sodas and watching TV. But they can do that forever because they have care. Science is taking care of them. Maybe I mean it is kind of nice to know that you have infinite time. Yeah, I am a person with infinite hobbies. Therefore, yeah, I am constantly yeah. lamenting the fact that I there is no physical way I can get into them all before I die. Yeah. Like the amount of people I've seen lately posting about quilting, I was like, oh, maybe I should get into that. And I was like, no, you have too many hobbies already. Like yeah. 
the like smack to the back of the head of like stop picking up new yeah. arts. Yeah. Um, so I, I think so, but I, I don't necessarily think death is an intrinsic motivator to do everything. I'm yeah. saying this as somebody who's personally living under the cloud of my grandmother's deathbed prophecy. Oh. Um, I, I think I, I mentioned this on the show. She literally was like, oh, it's such a shame when you die in 2023. And I was like, right. what? In 2023, what? she said? Yeah, this year. Yeah. So, but oh, it, my God. The, it has made me slightly more risk averse. Uh-huh. The same way that we thought that living forever would also make people risk averse. <laughs> but it also hasn't served to particularly motivate me. It's just slightly altered my mental calculus to be like, let's try to not satisfy <laughs> the death prophecy <laughs> and just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is, we have to do an if on that. Uh, <laughs> what if grandmas could predict your future? Um, I also, I, 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 to end on an, on, on an optimistic note about that, I, I think that, um, you know, again, thinking of science, how amazing would it be that you could carry out experiments um, over incredibly long periods of time? Or imagine being an, an astronomer. You know, one thing about astronomy is that the actual processes that happen in space, that happen to stars and galaxies and things like that, are incredibly slow from our perspective. But you could live long enough to see, you know, all kinds of things um, with your own eyes, and you can say, "Oh, I remember! I remember when Andromeda was only five thousand <laughs> more light years away, or whatever." It's so big now; it's getting so close. Um, I like the idea of having seen, like, in like history, there are documentation of like supernova that we've been have been yeah. so bright we've been able to see them like with the naked eye during the day. Yeah, and then. You know, like somebody who was around during that time and who remembers it, and then like a physicist being like, "Oh yeah, you saw the so and so supernova," and they're like, "The what?" That yeah. like you, you just because you saw it doesn't mean you necessarily knew what it was. So the idea right. that there are these people with this vast tracks of of knowledge over like you know a couple thousand years that they've been alive, but still don't exactly have words to describe what they saw. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. sort of retroactively placing the science as a description for phenomena that they, they saw much, much earlier. Yeah, much, much earlier, yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe uh, there's this notion that uh, we always make the same mistake. History repeats itself because people mm -hmm. don't remember history. So it might be that if people really do live long enough to see, oh, this, this is always goes bad every time this happens, you know, every time society starts to turn like this, every time this kind of person gets voted into office, things go badly. So maybe everyone has a memory. Or every time this thing. person gets voted back into office, maybe the same you guy. Know, they rear their head once every 50 years. And you're yeah, like, no, right. not again. That's right. You'd have to have term. We're, we have to put in term limits. We've decided that you can only have 5,000 terms in office. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, nightmare fuel. Yeah, yeah. That'll be kind of fun. The politics of immortality. Dan Floyd, thank you for this really fascinating and invigorating uh, and life-extending um, if. Uh, let us know what you thought. Dan, let us know what you thought. All of you who are listening, go to our website, whattheif.com, and just reach out to us, contact us from there, and tell us what you thought of today's episode. And um, again, a, a thank you to uh, Tasha, our newest patron. Um, and as I mentioned, Tasha joins Connie, Dan, Bill, Noah, and all our other patrons. Um, if you'd like to get added to that list, we'd love to shout your name. Um, go to patreon.com slash what the if. 
Or again, you can just go to our website and there's a link to the membership page there as well, whattheif.com. Um, uh, anything you'd like to plug this week, Gabby? Uh, just one more plug. You must be sick of it. Uh, for uh, my short story coming out in the anthology, um, Luminescent Machinations, Queer Tales of Monumental Invention. Uh, it's coming out July 25th, and I believe there's links on at least some of the other podcast episodes. Um, but it's through Neon Hemlock Press in case you want to give it a Google. And I think I said it, July 25th is when it's coming out, both physical and ebook forms. Oh, fantastic. One month, one month from today. That's very good. I yeah, am I've, super stoked. <laughs> yeah. I've been putting the link in, in all the episodes, so the, the link will be there in the, in the contents and, uh, again, on the website, whattheif.com. So, yeah, congratulations. We're excited about that. Um, do I have anything to plug? I, uh, I will be at Mysterium, the annual uh, Mist video game fan convention. It's happening this year in Spokane. I believe it is sold out. So apologies Ooh. if you didn't get your ticket. It's going to be very exciting. It's always very exciting. But uh, any of you who are, if you are a listener and you happen to be a fan of Mist, and maybe you've heard about the documentary I've been working on forever uh, <laughs> about <laughs> Mist called the Mist documentary. The title doesn't get any more clever with age. We have a, we have we'll have a new one coming soon. Uh, but I'll see you at the Mist fan convention in Spokane, Washington. I'm looking forward to that. Um, thank you all for listening. And uh, Gabby, will you help us um, perform our closing rituals? And and why do we do this now? We have to. Yeah, well, we have danger. to have some way to get ourselves back to our own reality. So, as we are stuck in this altered universe, staring down an infinite and ageless forever, yes, we can't help but shout the name of the show together in unison. What? what? The... Thank you, Gabby. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Tasha, for joining us. Patreon.com slash what the if is the link. Those of you who are patrons, make sure to get your bonus content that we'll be recording only for you after today's episode. So we look forward to seeing you there in the after show. The rest of you, if you're not members, think about becoming one. And we'll see you all next week. 